Amen, amen. Acts 1. Acts 1. I got a lot to say, so jump. we're going to jump into it, all right? Acts chapter 1. Open up your Bibles. Stand with me. Will you do that? Go ahead and stand. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You will receive power. Let's pray together. Lord, you know my heart is overflowing at this moment because of the possibilities, because of what may be. But more so, Lord, my heart is overfilled because I have the sweet privilege of being a part of such a dear group of people whose hearts are overflowing with their love for you. Lord, as we've lifted up our voices to declare how worthy you are to be exalted, Lord, it is a reminder to me that the kingdom of God has been expanding. And we're grateful that it has expanded from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and has come as far as this place. And now we know that it is going farther. Lord, we have an incredible opportunity, but also an incredible responsibility to take what has been given to us and to pass it on to others who will hear it, receive it, and will pass it on to even more still. Lord, this is our calling. May we never miss it. May you reveal it to us, we pray, yet again. In Jesus' name, I pray it. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go ahead and have a seat. This is Vision Sunday. So welcome to Vision Sunday 2024. You're probably not as excited about this as I am, but I'm telling you, I'm excited. My heart is overflowing with the possibility of what God may have in store for our congregation in this year that that is in front of us. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the first time today, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know what we're going to do today is a little different. The way I'm preaching today is going to be a little different than, than normal because annually, Uh, This has sort of become a big day around First Baptist Church of Ocala. It's a day in which we get excited about and we we cast some vision. And so with that in mind, know where we're going in this message and then come back next week for a a more normal approach to to preaching. Uh, But our goal today here is to celebrate what the Lord has done among our congregation in 2023 while also getting a glimpse of what we hope to see accomplished, maybe some direction for the year that lies in front of us in this new year. So we're reflecting on the past year and introducing our intended direction uh, for the year that is in front. And so let me go ahead and just start with last year, because last year was a really good year for First Baptist Church of Ocala. Uh, There's all kinds of ways that I can express this, and if I'm not careful, I could get bogged down and we'll spend the the majority of our time uh, talking about what has happened. And I I don't want us to get bogged down there, but I do want us to celebrate and be grateful uh, for the Lord's hand and His work upon us. Uh, But here's just a little bit of a snapshot 
of what 2023 brought us. In fact, in 2023, we saw a lot of growth, including 88 new members uh, to our congregation. That's a big deal. That's, in fact, uh, when you compare it to the number of new members we, we, that joined with us the previous year, that's actually a 30% increase over the previous year's new membership. Um, we had 18 baptisms in 2023, which is a 50% increase over the previous year. In fact, I, I'm going to share a lot of exciting things with you today. But you know, we've already, uh, uh, we've already witnessed the most exciting thing that could happen today when we watch those two, those two our brother and sister in Christ, being baptized. Amen? And as we reflect on 2023, but put our eyes on 2024... I, my, my hope, my prayer, I pray that you would engage me alongside of me with this prayer too, is that we see even more come to hear the gospel, even more opening their hearts to Christ, even more being baptized by the time this year closes out. In the past uh, 12 months, during the year of 2023, we saw almost, get this, $3.2 million contributed to this church. That's a big deal, folks. $3.2 million, including uh, in that is 2.3 that was contributed to our general front fund. And you, if you were with us at the end of the year, and we, you, know, you know that we had a little bit of a season where uh, our contributions got behind our expenses, but uh, praise God, you stepped up in some strong ways. We didn't close the gap completely, but we significantly closed that gap. So I'm so super proud of you for your financial faithfulness week in and week out. Uh, I'll take this moment to encourage all of you to join with us. Uh, all of those dollars that came to, to within the ministry of First Baptist Church that allows us to do so much comes from nowhere else but from you, from your faithfulness. And in order to, for us to go where we're going, it's going to require your faithfulness and the faithfulness of many others uh, as we seek to grow and to build this work here at First Baptist Church. Our worship attendance, you may have noticed this, our worship attendance continues to grow. Um, last year, we had a 15% increase in our worship attendance. This year, uh, wasn't quite that same pace. It was 6%, but, uh, but for two years, two and a half or 10 and a half percent increase in worship attendance is off the chart for most churches. And it's a sign that God is, is encouraging folks to join with us. In fact, uh, 10.5% uh, is significant in this post-COVID world. Even our Easter services, our Christmas Eve services, which are typically our most attended uh, worship services in a given year, they were uh, by far the largest we've had in many years. And so when you re reflect on these numbers, and um, in fact, on almost any conceivable measure, we've seen growth in our church in, in 2023, thanks to the Lord's blessing and your faithfulness and obedience. And our ministries are flourishing as a result. I mean, you see it from, our, from the growth of our, our worship ministry. Do you notice how long it takes these folks to get off the stage before I preach? Uh, that's, a, that's just a little bit of an indicator of how our worship ministry and worship arts ministry has grown. So from our worship arts ministry to our 1850 coffee house and books ministry, from our next-gen ministries to our senior adults, I mean, just all across the board, we're seeing a flourishing of ministries uh, that the Lord is allowing us to experience. Um, we've continued in some of our local engagements of the past, serving our local schools, uh, going to, to local uh, events and festivals to share the gospel, to do outreach, prayer walking, uh, just a host of things that we've done and sending Easter invites. Uh, we, we've done all kinds of things to, to reach out to our community. Uh, and even last year, we even introduced new opportunities for outreach. We talked about all the number of people that have been moving into our community in the last handful of years. And in response to that, uh, we created a ministry uh, opportunity for you of engaging new movers into your neighborhood. 
And so what do you do when someone moves into your neighborhood? We, uh, we've shown this to you before. Um, these things are available for you out in our foyer. If you know someone that has recently moved into, the, into your neighborhood, you want to f- just welcome them and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel or invite them to church. We have these new mover bags. Uh, and they're out in the Discover area, out where I'll be. Uh, we encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, we've continued to target uh, local neighborhood or um, uh, a, a, a radius around our, our church. Uh, also with that, in 2023, uh, we continued implementing our plan for a global uh, church planting movement. Uh, we in- introduced this idea a couple of mission, uh, Vision Sundays uh, uh, ago. Uh, the idea behind this global mission, uh, global church planting mission is really about, over the course of 15 years, uh, seeking to plant 20 churches. Uh, 10 of those internationally, 10 of those domestically, including some right here in Ocala. Uh, It was a year ago today that I stood up here and told you that our desire for planting a church in in, in 2024 would begin with us identifying a church planter. And I will tell you, we had serious talks with a church planter for about 10 months this was to plant a church on the west side of, of Ocala. Uh, in fact, we, our uh, original plans were to have he and his family to be with us today to introduce you to them. But after 10 months of working with them uh, back in the fall, uh, he felt the Lord directing his heart in another direction. So we'll have to save that for another time uh, that we would uh, find another church planter when the, when the time is right and the Lord reveals him. But even so, Uh, We don't see that as a discouragement. We see that as the Lord directing and working, and we continue to move forward with our church planting efforts elsewhere, as you're going to see today. Now, we also talked last year, and you've seen on more than one occasion, our desire to also not just plant new churches, but to help some of our existing churches uh, that may be struggling. And we entered into a fostering relationship with a local Baptist church, the Anthony Baptist Church. Uh, and we're in the, in the middle of an 18-month journey with them, guiding them, talking with them, inspiring them, encouraging them. Uh, sometimes we're meeting almost weekly with them, working through a, a number of things. But, uh, but very soon you're going to have an opportunity to join with us in helping them spruce up their facilities and conduct some of their week, uh, Sunday morning ministries on their campus or engaging their community with the gospel. And so it's really been an encouraging relationship so far. There are, some, there are some dear folks up there, and we cannot wait for you to get to meet them and to know them. And so with the, with the Lord's strength and encouragement with them, maybe we'll see that church emerging more um, thriving than they have ever been in the history of their church. So that, that's really a summary. I, I could just keep talking and talking and talking about 2023, uh, but it's a little summary of what the Lord did last year, just a tip of the iceberg of the many ways that he has blessed us and blessed our ministries. But before we go any further, I I just need to ask this question. And this is really not just a question about a Vision Sunday, but but about the ministry of First Baptist Church overall. Have you ever taken a moment, just stepped back and asked and stopped and wondered, what's the point of all of this? I mean, we, we, we do a lot around here. Week in, week out, hundreds of people gather here, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week, ministries going on. We spend millions of dollars every year to do the work that we believe we're called to do. But have you ever stopped and wondered what's the point of it all? What's the point of all of this? What's the point of all of our activity? When we get so busy doing all the things that we've historically done year after year, and if we're not careful, if we're not thoughtful, 
we can sort of get caught up in, in the minutiae of doing these things with no real understanding of why we do them, of what all of this is about, we, because we just keep doing these things because we, we know somebody told us along the way that we're supposed to do these things. Well, one of the reasons why I've appreciated Vision Sunday and having it each year is that it's, it's really a reminder of what all of this is about. I mean, we use the name Vision Sunday, but we could just as easily call it Mission Sunday. Because we're, we're supposed to be on mission. In fact, do you know what our mission is? Do you know what our purpose is? Why we do all the things that we do? I mean, if, we, if you were to just pull just some typical Christian off the street, maybe out of the pew, and to ask them, you know, what's the purpose? What is the, the, the reason why the church exists? You'll get all kinds of answers. It'll be such things as, well, you know, so the church exists so people can get saved or to teach us how to live or so it's a way that we can serve and minister in our community or uh, the church exists to be a light into the world. And those aren't incorrect things, but they're sort of speaking around the bigger purpose. But if you were to, to take a holistic look and read through the Scriptures, and, and, and not just get caught up in the, in the immediate text, but, but read the immediate text in the broader context of Scripture, you will find and discover that the Bible paints a much larger purpose for the church, a much larger mission. And that is that there's this bigger story that's unfolding. We're a part of it, but it's a much bigger purpose, a much bigger story, and, and you can see it referenced over and over again, this greater mission throughout the, the Bible, starting from the beginning to the end. In fact, in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we know that it begins with the story of creation, how God creates the first human beings. And we're told in, in Genesis chapter 1 that the Lord blesses them and He gives them an assignment. It's encapsulated in Genesis 1.28 that goes like this. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So the first commandment given to Him, given to humanity, given to us, was to be fruitful and to multiply, which is basically a command to procreate, right? But there's a reason why. It's not just for the sake of procreation. There's a reason by why. You've heard us refer to this over and over again. God wanted and deserved a world filled up with worshipers of Him. People who lived their lives for the glory of God. And so you see from the very beginning, God giving us this command, giving us hints about this greater purpose of a world filled with worshipers. But then you go to the last book of the Bible, in the, the book of Revelation, and you get a pic, picture, a, a peek at what eternity is going to look like one day. And guess what it shows? It shows what the results of uh, would, would be when people are fruitful and they multiply. Listen to this, Revelation 7, verse 9. John the Revelator, he makes this statement. He says, And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to the, our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So do you see that? Do you, do you get the picture, the juxtaposed pictures here? One day there's going to be around the throne of God, worshiping God, people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And so what we read from Genesis to Revelation is God's story of our purpose in life, which is to worship Him, to know Him, and to give glory to Him with all of our lives, with all of our being. 
But it's also the story of how we broke trust with Him. We broke, we, we broke our, our alliance with the Lord and our relationship broke down. How things went wrong when we sinned against Him and how our sin caused us to lose our ability to fulfill our life's purpose. But the Bible also tells us how, of how God provided a hope for us in spite of our disobedience. How He ultimately sent a rescuer, a redeemer. His name is Jesus, who died for our sins upon the cross, that He was buried, that He came back to life three days later. And because He did that, He provided the means of salvation for us, provided an opportunity for us to be forgiven, which enables us then to know God and to worship Him as we were originally created to do. But you know, the Bible also tells us about how we can join Him Join God in, in this story of hope, this story of redemption. You see, it's been God's plan all along that we join Him in His mission as His people as we seek to gather more people who will come to know Christ and will wor- begin to worship Him and to begin to live for His glory. In fact, after Jesus, after He died, was buried and He came back to, to, to life, just before He ascended to the, to the right hand of the Father, we're told that He commissioned His disciples and gave them a new command. And He commanded them with these words, and you know these already. It's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 and following. After telling them that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Him, Jesus said to them, and ultimately to us, He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So with this big picture in mind, when we start with Genesis, and we start in Genesis with the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth physically, and then we end in the book of Revelation with the results of being spiritually fruitful and spiritually multiplying and spiritually filling the earth, And all of that is the result of us fulfilling the great commission of going and sharing the gospel and making disciples of all nations. And so if you want to know what the task is, church, what the purpose is, what all of this is about for us, this mission of God that He's now given to us, it's not just some side gig gig to the church. It's not some side task. It is the task. It is why we exist, and it's the responsibility, not just of the church as an organization, but it is your responsibility as a Christ follower. And friends, it is a very big task. It's an enormous task, because he said to go and make disciples of all nations. You know, but our English translations, typically of this verse, this great commission, sort of doesn't really convey the enormity of the task. We think of nations. You know, currently they say there are about 195 nations in the world. That's a lot to reach. But you know, the Great Commission in itself implies, and the wording behind it implies an even greater task. That, that, that word, that is tra- those two words that is translated all nations in, in verse 19 of Matthew 28, in the Greek it's panta te ethne. It really means all peoples or maybe all people groups. And so when he tells us to go and to make disciples of all peoples, depending on how one defines peoples or people groups, you know, they they, they say there's somewhere between 11,000 and 24,000 people groups in the world. So it's not just 195 nations, 
but 11,000 to 24,000 people groups that we, the people of God, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who have been called to join Him in His worldwide mission of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. How in the world can we reach all of these people? How can we fulfill this overwhelming task? Here we are in little old Ocala, in one spot of the world. How do we make disciples of every one of those thousands of peoples? Well, the answer lies in the first chapter of Acts. In fact, specifically in verse 8. One, we are promised His power. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus was promising them, and it's, I believe, a, a promise to us as well, that, that they would receive His empowerment, Holy Spirit empowerment, and that that power would help them to accomplish the mission that was placed upon them. In other words, as they go and as we go, we're not going alone and we're not going in our own strength. We're going in the strength of God. But He didn't stop with the, the, the promise of power. He also gave them a strategy when He says this, he says, and you will be my witnesses. So we got to be witnesses of, of what we've seen in him and the gospel. But you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here he is restating Jesus, the, 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 the great commission. And he, he does so in a way that sort of lays out a workable approach to fulfilling it. And if you see it, 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 it makes sense. We begin locally but we move and mobilize globally. He tells them very specifically to go with the gospel. He says, you will be my witnesses. And then he tells them where they would be witnesses. They, you will be witnesses, first of all, in Jerusalem. So where were the, the disciples when they heard this charge for the first time? They were in Jerusalem. And so Jesus was telling them that they have this massive mission, go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, but they were to start right where they were, in Jerusalem, in other words, to be a witness locally, and that they would be responsible for taking the gospel there. But not just there. Jerusalem would become their base of operations to extend the gospel outward. And it was from Jerusalem that they were to begin to, to take the gospel and concentrically move it out in all Judea and Samaria. Judea was the land of the Jews in that time. It formerly called Judah. It's the southern part of what used to once be called Israel. Samaria was a district just north of Judea in the central region or central area of what was once Israel. It was, that area was particularly populated by a mixed breed of, of Jews. And so being witnesses in all Judea would mean taking the gospel beyond their immediate city, but into their beyond their local community regionally. To be a witness in Samaria would extend it even further out. And so taken together, this call to take the gospel beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria was to take the gospel to a broader region or nation, meaning that the gospel would extend even further out, and then ultimately they would keep going to the end of the earth. And so as the gospel began to move from one community to the next, to this to a new community, people would be saved and, and new disciples made and churches would be planted. And as churches were planted, they would take up the Great Commission and they too would then meet, begin to reach their Jerusalem and their Judea and Samaria. And even more would be saved and more disciples would be made and more churches would be planted and more commissioned to be witnesses. And the plan, therefore, was to repeat this over and over and over again until we make disciples of all the earth to the ends of the earth. So we are to be witnesses of the gospel so that we can see people saved ourselves 
who would worship God and grow as disciples and then would in turn be disciples too so that others are saved and become worshipers and grow as disciples and become witnesses. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's the spiritual equivalent, folks, of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. Do you see it? More than anything else, this is what we are to be about as a church. Being witnesses here in our Jerusalem, in our state and in our nation, and, and, uh, which is our Judea and Samaria, and then to, to, into all the world. The last couple of years, we put a heavy emphasis upon our city. We've used that theme quite a bit the last couple of Vision Sundays. And we've, what we've been focusing on, we've been desiring, is to seek the welfare of our city so that we could proclaim Christ amongst the people of our city. And as a result, we've begun to engage our community even more. But the point for you and for I was that we would see Ocala as our mission field. Sometimes we think missions is something that you only do elsewhere. But we've strategically said almost every Sunday at the conclusion of our worship services, as you leave this church, you know the phrase, can some of you remember it? You are sent. You are sent. We believe that you've been called to be a missionary sent to your Jerusalem, your community, Ocala. And that, th that this Ocala is a mission field is not the end of the mission field, but it is the start it's the, the, it should be the beginning, the launch pad of a global engagement that we as a body of believers have together. So we start here, and we are on mission here, but we extend that mission domestically and internationally. And so it's with that strategy in mind that I want to introduce to you the, the first of a couple of initiatives that'll be our only two initiatives for this Vision Sunday 2024. We're, the very first initiative, get, and you need to get used to hearing this, it's a phrase we'll repeat, repeatedly use, but our first initiative is a thing we're calling from our neighborhoods to the nations. From our neighborhoods to the nations. And what it is, ultimately, is a strategic push for us to fulfill our part of Acts 1-8. We want to be witnesses in Ocala and Marion County, in Florida and elsewhere in the country, and ultimately in all the world. So moving forward, we're going to be driven by this strategy from our neighborhoods to the nation. So let me talk about what that means for us. In fact, let me begin with our Jerusalem, which is our mission engagement here in Ocala and Marion County. And so to encounter the lostness that is growing day by day as we see nearly 200 people moving into our community every single week our community continues to grow, but with them comes a lot of spiritual lostness, some of which have been here a long time, but, but the increase of the lostness is growing. So to help us encounter the lostness that we encounter in our own community, we've already had several engagements that we're going to continue to do, such as serving our local schools and engaging at community festivals and events with gospel and outreach. I've mentioned the, the, the new movers uh, connection, the, the new movers ministry. Uh, as, as we seek to explore some more church planting efforts, we want to continue to be creative right here with the gospel. And the number one determinant of whether or not we're going to be faithful as witnesses in this community or not is whether if you and I as individual believers will seek to develop relationships with others intentionally, that we invest our lives into the lives of other people in order to seek opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Sometimes it's as simple as inviting the church but the greatest thing we could ever do is for every one of us to, to, to buy into what we're doing here and buy into Jesus. To be so in love with Jesus 
that it, it just oozes out of us when we begin to talk to others about what, what we're excited about. So that's the first thing. But very specifically and coordinated, coordinating wise, we want to introduce something new to you. And it's a big one tied into this idea of neighborhoods. If we're going to take the gospel from our neighborhoods to the nations, we're very serious about the idea of neighborhoods. Last year, we talked about targeting an area, a radius around our church, and that was a little harder to implement than we really realized. And so we've, we've come up with an idea that we're, we want to really put a, a lot of emphasis where, in which we target specific neighborhoods with the gospel. So, so what does that look like? How does that work? Here's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to, to identify a number of strategic neighborhoods in our community uh, it may be that we'll look and see that we've got a number of you already living in those neighborhoods. As we look at our database, see where our church members are scattered around the community, we may see a grouping of you uh, that live in a particular neighborhood. Maybe you'll become the core or a nucleus of a group of people that are going to reach that particular uh, neighborhood. Or maybe we, we embrace or uh, uh, enlist uh, uh, one of our community groups. Maybe that community group is meeting in that neighborhood. Nevertheless, we want a, a, a group... A, a, a select group of people who will focus attention in that particular neighborhood over a series of weeks, a very defined amount of time. It may not be an open-ended thing, but a very deliberate time period. And during that time, that team that's dedicated to that neighborhood and commissioned to reach that neighborhood will do things like prayer walking that neighborhood. Uh, maybe we'll, as a church, send some invites into that community, very targeted to that neighborhood, to invite them to church. Meanwhile, we're sending some of you in uh, as a part of that team, maybe to do a block party, uh, it, it, to, to reach out to the, to the neighbors, or maybe a, a park fun day. Maybe we'll go through the neighborhood and do a door-to-door -door, uh, survey or emphasis or, or door-to-door -door -to -door invitation to a, to a special event like Easter services. Uh, the, the opportunities are wide. There'll be many other things that we might try. The point is, is that we want to get very active and very deliberate getting into the to a neighborhood and engaging it with the gospel. So many times we desire to see people come to our church. We want to see lost people come to know Jesus. But for a lot of us, most of our circle of relationships are with, with the saints. We have Christian friends. We have Christian circles we run in, but we have very few lost people connections. And we want to see that change. And this targeting the neighborhoods will be an emphasis to help you overcome that. And what we endeavor to do is once we have identified one neighborhood and they begin to launch into work, we begin to launch other neighborhoods. And so throughout the year, we may perhaps target upwards of 12 different neighborhoods or more as the Lord allows us to do so. And as we see this multiplied across many neighborhoods in our, in our community, perhaps the Lord's going to bless it and we'll see many come to faith in Christ. Now, let me tell you why we're hopeful about this. It, it, the reason why we wanted to identify this, because I've, I've really been struggling with this as a, church, as a pastor of this church. With all the people that have been coming here, and we want to be faithful gospel witnesses, but sometimes this, the vastness of the people that are here uh, over 400,000 people in, in Marion County right now in this Ocala metro area. It's, it, it's really hard sometimes to see that large group of people and, and feel like, well, it's just overwhelming. It's, can we really attack it? Well, this, is, this neighborhood approach is going to allow us to break down this huge community into reachable sections. And if this strategy works, and we will then work it for years upon end, and if so, we can reach our Jerusalem for Christ. Now, Next up, under this, from our neighborhoods to the nations, we, we're going to attack Jerusalem. We're going to go after Ocala. 
we also want to engage our Judea and Samaria, our nation. Uh, there are a couple of, at least two specific mission points we've already begun to engage uh, that we're going to continue to do and in these two places. I just want to reference them for you because we're going to have a heavy new emphasis in the international side of things. But let me just encourage you to keep thinking about these engagements. One is Alaska. We've been in Alaska for many years. We've got a long, long relationship with the, with the work in Alaska uh, dating back to the mid-2000s. And we, we've been sending mission teams almost every year, except the COVID year, every year uh, to the Laverne Griffin Christian Camp. Uh, we've got a team that's organizing right now. I, I'm not sure if they have spots open, uh, but you reach out to our missions folks, they'll let you know. Uh, but they're going in May to get that camp ready to engage lostness up there. Um, we've also sent other mission teams to Alaska as well. We're going to continue to look for opportunities uh, along the lines of church planting support and church revitalization work. And so, yes, we are going to engage uh, the, our nation that way, including a new mission point that we began last year, uh, which is in Boise, Idaho. We began this partnership last year, one year ago today. We introduced you to the McDonald family by video uh, and their work. Um, they have been there for well over a year. Um, Matthew and Bethany are from Florida. Uh, they have moved to Idaho, Idaho to plant a church among the Basque people, uh, which is an unreached people group uh, that have migrated from Europe to Boise, Idaho of all places. And that church plant in Boise, Idaho, is the first domestic plant under our global church planting initiative. Uh, we're providing monthly support for them. Uh, we sent a mission team to them last year. We will do it again this year. You'll have opportunity to participate in that as well. Now, talked about Jerusalem, talked about Judea and Samaria. What about to the ends of the earth, our world? Let's talk about our global initiative. We have two main emphasis in, in, in 2024, two mission points that we want to uplift to you, and both of them are new. One is going to be in Indonesia. You knew this was coming. Three years ago, we mobilized a, a couple of, or mobilized a family, one of our own, to Indonesia, the LaPointe family. Bruce LaPointe was on staff with us, and he and Aaron um, have joined again with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and they are there, and their kids are now in central Java in Indonesia, uh, and they're seeking to take the gospel to the unreached with the desire ultimately to see church plants emerging uh, there in Indonesia. And they're finally ready for us to begin to, to begin to receive mission teams. And our very first mission trip, finally, uh, to Indonesia is taking place in March. Now, that group, that trip's already filled up, but there may be other opportunities to come along the way. Just be in prayer uh, for the LaPointe's and their work, as well as our mission teams as they go. I'm also excited to introduce to you another international mission point, And this one is going to be in London, England. Um, if you know, very familiar with missiology and the history of missions, you'll know that London was once a center for mission mobilization. Um, what's happened over time for a variety of reasons is that now London is a recipient of mission work. I'm going to tell you why London is such a strategic location and why we want to engage there. London is one of the, mo the world's most multicultural cities that you'll ever find. It is home to people who are living there now, speaking over 300 different languages, all within the, the, the London metro area. More than a third of London's 9.7 million population are now have been born outside of their country. Here's the reason why we want to go to London. 
reach London, you reach the world. Simple as that. Reach London and you reach the world. Now, what, what we're going to do there specifically in our engagement is to work specifically with a church plant. Uh, I can describe that church plant to you. I think it would be better for you to hear from the church planters. And so if you would, direct your attention to the screen behind me and be introduced to David and Anna Seckington. Uh, they are Londoners, and they want to reach their community with the gospel by being church planters. Pay attention to this. Hi, everybody at First Baptist Ocala. It's such a joy to send this to you. We are already just so thankful for all of you, and it's a privilege to send this across today. So we are David and Anna. We're husband and wife. We were married for four years, and we live in London, and we live in an area called Shepherd's Bush, which is in West London. And we are planting a church here, uh, which we're calling Shepherd's Church, because we really believe Shepherd's Bush needs to know its shepherd. So just to give you an idea of Shepherd's Bush and what it's like, um, it's an extremely diverse area of London. So just to take the road that we live on, uh, we live next to a Hindu ashram. Uh, we live um, about two or three doors down from a um, Syrian grocery store. There's a Lebanese cafe, there's a mosque, and then there's a Caribbean restaurant down the other side of the road. So that's just a tiny snapshot of all the different nations and peoples that we have um, living on, alongside us here. Yeah, and it's very diverse socioeconomically as well. You've really got very wealthy people just along in Holland Park, and then you've got lots of what I think you guys would call projects uh, in the local area as well. Council uh, provided housing for people. And yet it's so needy. I mean, we think in maybe one mile around our house, trying to sort of go off estimates, there are over 50,000 residents here, let alone all the people who work here and visit here. Um, and amongst all those people, we think the number is about 0.4% that might be believers. So about 99.6% of all those people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's obviously a, a big need here. Um, so we are um, praying towards planting a new church family here. And obviously we're really seeking to reach our neighbours. Um, we'd love to see the, the gospel impact the area around us. Um, but also it's, it's, there's a really exciting opportunity because there are so many nations here and we know many of them have families back at home. They have communications all the time with their home countries and many of them very hard to reach countries. Um, so we're hoping that there would be a, a global impact as well to the church family that we start here as well. Yeah. And so far, just to give you a flavour of it, we have launched a um, Bible study we do in our flat here on Tuesday nights, which we normally have around 15 people coming to, which has been fantastic. Uh, we've been out knocking on doors in the local area and trying to build relationships. And we have a seeker group going on on Wednesday nights, which uh, I was at last night and some great conversations there. Um, so we're in those early embryonic stages of trying to uh, get a new church planted in this area and find a team um, and reach the area. And we are just so thankful, guys, to have you alongside us and behind us. Um, if we were going to give you two things to be praying at this stage, number one would be, please would you pray God would raise up a beautiful gospel family. We really feel we need more people to come alongside us and just shine what an amazing joy it is to be one of Jesus's people um, in this area. And then secondly, we would love your prayers for conversions. We really want to see conversions out of the harvest, not just Christians moving to this area of London, but new converts. Um, from these many people. So please pray for the many people we're already uh, in relationship with. 
all that's left to say is just thank you so much. We're honestly so thankful to be in relationship with you, in partnership with you, to have you behind us. And we look forward to meeting many of you uh, in person, we hope, over the years to come. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> so working with the Shepherd's Church is going to be our first international global church plant. Isn't that exciting to see that? Uh, so there's going to be, a, that's right. There will be a mission, uh, a mission event happening or a mission trip happening uh, probably in September, October. We're still working out the details of that. If you're interested in being a part of that, certainly you'll want to let us know. We just cannot wait to see what God will allow us to do there. And I, I'm just still overwhelmed over the fact that a, a city that was known for launching mission efforts has places in it where 99% of the population do not know Jesus. Isn't that an incredible stat? Friend, just know this, it could happen here in our own country, and in some places, it is going there. So we're very excited about this initiative from our neighborhoods to the nations on mission here in the U.S. and in the world. It is not a side task, it is the task, which is why I want to re-up a challenge uh, that I offered last year, which is that you do this, give 2% of 2024 to be on mission. What's 2%? That's basically a week of your time. Uh, we, we, our hope is, is that you will take in one way or another one week this year and give it to the Lord to be on mission for him. Maybe that's going for a week trip to some place like Indonesia or London or, or Alaska uh, or to Boise, Idaho, or maybe it's giving two or three days at a time here in Ocala. Maybe it's giving a day and, and taking that day and going into a neighborhood as a part of one of our neighborhood reach efforts and to share the gospel there in an Ocala neighborhood. However you do it, what we want you to do is to go. Just go. So, that's the first initiative uh, from, our nation to, from our neighborhoods to the nations. And that one, by the way, must be our priority. If not, the second initiative doesn't matter much. So let's talk about the second initiative. And I don't want to waste a lot of time here. This has to do with our facility renovations. We've talked about it and talked about it. In fact, we first mentioned the need to renovate not just this room, but other places on our campus all the way back to 2012. Um, in 2020, in 2021, we, com we completed an initial renovation of our first floor, part of our first floor next door, renovating the fellowship hall, the chapel, uh, 1850. We also did some major roofing and tech upgrades. Uh, this past year, however, we've been very diligent as a staff in working on what is next for our, our campus renovation. And uh, the best way for me to, 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 to explain this to you is to not tell you but to show you. So I have another video for you. If you will please direct your attention to the screen one more time. The story of First Baptist Church of Ocala is one of God's faithfulness as well as the resilience of His people. Since our founding in 1850, First Baptist Church has been committed to glorifying God and making disciples from Ocala to the nations. However, this journey of proclaiming the good news of Christ hasn't always been easy. We faced more than our share of obstacles throughout our history. One of our earliest challenges came in 1873, just 23 years after the church was organized, when our membership dwindled down to one person, Mrs. Fanny R. Gary. Legend has it that Miss Gary would get up on Sunday mornings, get ready for church, and would sit alone in the church house all while praying for God to preserve our congregation. She was all in in her commitment to this church, and we are the benefactors of her commitment and of God's faithfulness. 
More recently, in October of 1991, we faced a challenge of a different kind when an arsonist set fire to our church facilities in downtown Ocala, leaving our historic worship building in smoldering ashes and forcing us to find a temporary place to gather. As tragic as that season was, through it, our church experienced great numerical and spiritual growth. It also accelerated the move to our current location and facilities. Throughout our history, the Lord has proved over and over what the enemy meant for evil, God used for our good and His glory. We could tell many stories of God's faithfulness and goodness to our church family over these past 173 years, but here's the exciting news. He isn't done. As we eye the future, we trust God will continue to be faithful, and we pray that we, the membership of First Baptist Church, will be found as resilient and as steadfast as those who have gone before us. We now find ourselves in the midst of unprecedented opportunity for our church and its future. Ocala and the surrounding region is experiencing rapid growth. Everywhere one looks, we see the evidence of that growth. Tens of thousands have been flocking to our community in recent years. New construction is popping up everywhere, leading Ocala to be ranked number two in the country for new single-family home construction. The Ocala metro area, which has already reached a population of 400,000, is projected to hit 500,000 by the year 2040, which will be a growth rate of 25% over the next 16 years. Every single person seeking to call Ocala home is a soul to be reached, and we must be prepared for their arrival. Just as those who have gone before us had to step out with a tremendous amount of faith, we must do the same. Preparing for their arrival includes preparing our church facilities. For months, we've been working with RisePoint, a church architecture and design firm, on a campus renovation plan, and we are so excited to share their proposal with you. The renovation plan will be broken down into three phases. The first phase would focus on renovating the main foyer of the worship center and would extend down the worship center exterior hallway. It would also include restrooms in the north and south hallways and the balcony restrooms. This updated space would better prepare us to greet and serve our guests and members alike. Phase two calls for us to move across the breezeway from the worship center and turn our attention to our education space. The focus of the second phase of renovations will be upon a complete reimagining of education space for preschool, kids, students, and adults. Our preschool and kids ministries would be safely housed on the first floor of our education building. This space would include two check-in locations, a large group space for kids' worship, an indoor play area, as well as ample classroom space for community groups and midweek activities, including First Steps, our weekly preschool ministry. The renovation of this area will also include resource areas, a room for moms of newborns and space for our volunteers. The best part of all, preschool and children's ministries will no longer be spread out on multiple levels, but will all be contained on one secured floor. Moving to the second level of the education building, we will have designated and redesigned space for our students and adults. The plan calls for relocating the student ministry area to secured space immediately above the preschool and kids ministry to allow for a designated entrance for all next-gen ministries up through 12th grade. Included in the student ministry area will be space for student worship gatherings, hangout areas, a resource area for student leadership meetings, and classrooms for community groups. The remaining portion of the second floor will be designated for adults, including space for up to 17 Sunday morning adult community groups that will also double as midweek Bible study and learning environments. This reinvented area will serve us for years to come. The final part of the renovation will bring us back to the worship center. 
Included in this third phase will be a redesign of the stage, updated lighting, sound, and presentation technologies, and the relocating of audio and video booths. New carpet and paint will be a part of the renovation, along with new acoustic treatments for the walls. As a bonus, space for families with babies will be provided. The renovation will also include a redesign of the seating layout, which will allow us to comfortably seat approximately 1,400 people. The estimated cost to complete all three phases will be around $7.5 million. And we recognize that the cost to accomplish this is great, but the cost of not doing so is even greater. First Baptist Church has a unique opportunity to update our facilities and stand ready for years of service to this community. Just as those who have gone before us have stood ready for the challenges that they would face and the ministry opportunities they would encounter, now it is our turn. Our mission hasn't changed. We glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Will you join us as we embark on this journey to update our facilities so that we may more effectively reach our growing community and in turn, reach the world? The Lord has faithfully blessed us before. Let's trust Him to do so again. All right, all right. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Very, very encouraged by what we see. We'll have opportunity to discuss the renovations in our next members meeting that's coming up two weeks from today on February the 11th. However, uh, when you depart today, uh, if you go out this way or whether you cross the breezeway, the renderings uh, that we have so far from Rise Point will be available for you to take a look at uh, on pictures on the wall here or on TV monitors next door. Um, I, I did mention in the video that uh, the cost of the renovations is great. I don't want you to camp out on, on that large number. Uh, because the Lord's been faithful before, and we believe that He'll be faithful through our people again. Uh, but even more so, I told you that the cost to not do these renovations are even greater. And I really believe that to be true. Um, we've been blessed with this incredible location as a church. Um, and uh, the, this, this, these facilities, though we need to upgrade its look and some of the, how it's laid out, they're wonderful facilities. But we have a responsibility to steward them well. Uh, and we need to do so it, it, while ensuring that we're preparing for the future of our church. You, you may not be aware of this, but next year, uh, we'll probably talk about this on Vision Sunday 2025, next year is the 175th anniversary of First Baptist Church. That's a big deal, man. We have this long legacy uh, that we have now received, and we have a responsibility to pass this legacy on to the next generation. Now, these renovations, they may be the thing that you'll talk most about. They may be the most exciting sounding part of it, but they're not. Uh, I, I don't want you to see what we've just watched on this video as the main thing. The main thing is fulfilling the mission, folks. It has always been that. The facility is just our base of operations. We, we mobilize from here to be witnesses to our neighborhoods, to the nation, our nation, uh, to, to the ends of the earth. But we should never, ever forget that we're to be witnesses. And what are we witnesses of? We're witnesses of Jesus. We're witnesses of what Jesus has done for us. We have been changed by the blood of Jesus, amen? We have a story to tell, a testimony to bear, and so we, we witness of Jesus, of who He is, and what He has done. And so we want to do that. We, and we bear witness of Him by going into the world and making disciples. That's our purpose, that's our mission, and that's our mandate. You know, Jesus was pretty much re-upping the Great Commission in Acts 1.8. He gave them the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He's re-upping it in Acts 1.8. Uh, and, and just as he does that, he tells them, go and be my, my witnesses to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And just as he says that, up he goes. 
The scriptures tell us that he was taken up in a cloud and, uh, and, and he takes off. And then as Jesus takes off, it's the ascension happening. We read this in verse 10 of Acts chapter 1. It says that while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from, from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So you have Jesus. He's making his way upward. His disciples are just standing there, mouths wide open, I'm sure, you know, like this, you know. And the angels appear and they're saying, why are you, what are you doing? Why are you standing here? Why are you watching Jesus go up into heaven? He's going to come back one day just as he told you he was going to do. Come on now, let's go. Let's get with it. He told you what to do. Get going. You know, sometimes I, I, I'm afraid, I fear, as the senior pastor of this church is with the responsibility of leading you and guiding you guiding this church fellowship, sometimes I have fear that we're more like those disciples standing and looking up, waiting on Jesus than we are of the disciples who took off into the world and began to share the gospel. Sometimes I'm wondering if we're squandering this moment. You know, I could cite all kinds of statistics that talk about how off the chart the growth of our community is going. I don't have to. I mentioned earlier, almost 200 people a week are moving, estimated it is, moving into our community each week. It's a a massive opportunity. The world is coming to us. But are are we meeting the moment? Are we taking advantage of this moment? Is it an opportunity that we are securing or are we missing it? You know, our church has been here before. In fact, the fact that we're standing in this room, this massive room on this incredible campus and these wonderful facilities, the fact that we're here in this moment, it ought to be a reminder that we took advantage of a moment in previous days. In the 1980s, when our pastor emeritus was then the senior pastor of this church, Ed Johnson was senior pastor, Ocala in that time frame had entered into a massive season of growth. At that time, we were in downtown Ocala, as you saw depicted in the video. Pastor Ed is our pastor, and the Lord blessing his ministry. Community growth just took off, and with it, our church responded. The gospel was being proclaimed. People came to faith in Christ. People were joining our church, being baptized in the life of our church. Our church grew as a result. And we know that other history has taken place since then, and in our church, outside of our church, And that season of growth slowed down and nearly stopped. But I'm telling you, church, hear me on this. I say this to our church staff all the time. We are in in an unprecedented moment. It's an unprecedented moment for this congregation and for all churches in this community. A season of unprecedented opportunity. The question is, will we seize it? Will we take advantage of the opportunity? Will we step out on faith as individuals and as a church to bear witness of Jesus to many of whom do not know him. Do you know we encountered someone through our ministries this year, someone who is now a resident of our community who didn't even know the name Jesus? There's a lost and dying community outside of these doors. Will we do our part in seeing more and more people loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, putting faith in Jesus so that one day they will be a part of that gathered body of believers surrounding the throne of Christ in heaven one day? Or will we just keep standing here looking up and waiting on Jesus to come back?
I don't know about you, but I've determined as for me and as for my family, we're going to get on with the mission. No matter what, we're going to get on with the mission. I pray that we'll do it together from our neighborhoods to the nations. Let's bear witness of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that one year from now, 12 months from now, that I will not be standing here and apologizing for our failure to take advantage of the opportunities afforded us. In fact, Lord, I pray that one year from now, when we're in Vision Sunday 2025, if, you, if you've tarried and have not returned, that we will be able to, to declare one of the greatest movements of the Lord in the history of First Baptist Church occurred, all because God's people that are under the umbrella of First Baptist Church of Ocala took very seriously the mandate to share the gospel, to go and make disciples from our neighborhoods here in Ocala to the ends of the earth. Lord, please, I'm begging that you encourage us, inspire us, convict us where need be. Lord, we want to just be found faithful. We know you're coming back. But Lord, when you come back, may you not find us standing still, but on the move with the mission for the glory of God, we pray. This we ask in the name of Christ Jesus, I pray it. Amen and amen.